Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. Today's episode of There Are No Girls on the Internet was actually taped live from Digital Void's Our Connected Future event a few weeks ago. So if you don't know Digital Void, they are a great multimedia project that studies the way that the internet and technology shapes all of our brains as humans. And at their event, I was so excited to sit down with Amanda Moore. Amanda's story is fascinating. She worked in live events until COVID hit, and then she lost her job broke and struggling with how to get connected with financial services like unemployment, she did what anyone would do, created an alias, and went undercover into the world of white supremacists and far-right extremists for a year. 
Okay, so maybe not everybody would do that, just Amanda. Amanda fed stories to journalists that helped shine a light on the inner workings of the underbelly of white supremacists. She was at the Capitol during the insurrection on January 6th, and the night that we sat down together at Washington, D.C.'s Union Stage, the trucker convoy that started up in Canada, was actively circling around D.C. trying to create chaos, which I feel like is pretty fitting. Now, Amanda's story is a great reminder of how much dangerous, difficult work of making our democracy safer is being done by women. So let's listen. Oh, that's my theme song. (laughs) Remember me? (laughs) I am Bridget Todd. Uh, I am the host and creator of iHeartRadio's There Are No Girls on the Internet, a podcast where we explore... Oh. All right, I'll, t- I'll take that. Yes, a smattering of applause. I have to say, this is my first ever live podcast taping, so if I seem a little nervous, that is why. Um, you know, on the show, if you don't know what it's about, we explore all the different ways that marginalized folks, so women, people of color, trans folks, queer folks, um, all the different ways that we show up or don't show up online. And, you know, a reality of this work is that Time and time again, so much of the work making internet spaces safer, better, more inclusive is being done by women and other marginalized folks. And it is work that is dangerous, it is personally costly, uh, and we hardly ever recognize that work. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to be talking to my first ever live podcast guest, Amanda. Give it up for Amanda. This is also my first uh, live podcast experience, so we are, we're in this together. We got this. Yeah. So, Amanda, you spent a year of your life being embedded with some of the, the worst sort of far-right extremist fringe folks, folks like, um, give, give us a few of the names of the folks that you were kicking it with. So here's the worst part, is that you won't know their names, but they're busy writing legislation. But they are like former members of Patriot Front, Identity Europa, and other hate groups that you would recognize. So how did this, how did you come to spend a year of your life doing this? Take us, take us back. How did this start? Um, so I've always had an interest in politics. I was raised evangelical. My parents are both Trump voters. Um, and I was a libertarian until I was like 26, which is super embarrassing. Um, And a lot of people that I knew in the libertarian movement ended up moving into um, the extreme far right. Some are in jail. (laughs) Some are, um, you know, proud boys who should probably be in jail. Uh, Some, you know, like uh, I was very, I was not uh, friends with Chris Cantwell, the crying Nazi from Charlottesville, but we knew people in common. And um, so I've always been able to like kind of move within that world. And my job was just completely belly up. I'm in live events. So it was, you know, it ceased to exist during COVID. I had a lot of free time. So I, I went to the Stop the Steel rallies. I kind of just walked to them and, you know, recorded, whatever. And so that meant I was at the insurrection. So when I was at the insurrection, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> this, is, this is real. And we're really going to do this now. And um, it kind of escalated from there without me uh, intending for it to. Something that you write about so interestingly is, you know, we all know what happened here in D.C. Um, on January 6th, but you actually talk about the way that the climate that was fostered at some of the earlier events and earlier rallies in D.C., um, you know, by people like the Proud Boys, really did sort of lead to what we saw on the 6th. Can you talk a, b- a little bit about that? Like, like, what were you seeing in the lead-up to what happened on the 6th at some of these events? 
There's a moment that will live in my mind for the rest of my life. I was in front of the Supreme Court. It was December, uh, the December Stop the Steel rally in 2020. And this woman told me I was almost assaulted at the November rally. And I asked her what happened. And she said she was uh, walking back to the Trump Hotel and her phone had died. And uh, some guys ran past her. And she, she just took off running. And that, that was it. That was the whole story. That was the story of her near assault. And it was incredibly strange to me at the time. And she said, you know, she had to be like maybe 50. And she said, I, I marched the Proud Boys last night until 2 in the morning. And you might recall the Proud Boys like stab people when they were doing that. So um, it, really, it really just struck me that she was so afraid of everybody here and everything in the situation of just being in this liberal wasteland where we're 90 4% for Joe Biden, you know, um, that she thought that walking past her was almost assaulting her. And later that night, I was in front of Harry's after another stabbing. And um, we, like, I, I watched all the Proud Boys line up and they started marching and chanting and Alex Jones was like giving us this pep talk, you know, 1776, 1776. And then uh, the probably started like going off in groups of eight to 10 as though they were like going off to war. <laughs> and so like grandpas are like telling them, good luck, thank you, thank you, thank you for your service. And they're just walking around downtown DC like terrorizing whoever they see. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's so disguised from reality, but there was this, it felt like a coordinated campaign to make everybody who flew here and came here from out of town, whether they were from a real like city or from you know like the middle of nowhere, it didn't matter. To just feel like everybody here was against them, and this this is Antifa. You're all Antifa, 100%. You know, if you're here physically present, you are like an Antifa super soldier. Um, and so just you know, seeing that that coordinated effort was bizarre. Yeah, it's something I like about your work is that it really grounds it in this idea that. D.C. is a city where people live and that I think that for a lot of people, D.C. is an abstraction. They don't understand that people actually live here. And I, I have lived here most of my life. And, you know, I still have friends from different cities who would swear that in 2020, D.C. burned to the ground and like ceases to exist. I'll be like, oh, how are you out there in D.C.? And I think that your work helps us see that this is a real city. People live here. It's, it's you know, and so I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, when you think about how people report about extremist movements and extre these extremist figures, what is something that folks leave out? What is something that you wish that people knew about how these groups actually operate? I think there's a lot of coverage of what the final result is without a lot of coverage of, like, that lead up. When I first wrote about my experience of January 6th and the lead up to it and talking about people feeling like they were targeted just because they were like a Trump supporter within DC and not just targeted for people to be like, you suck, go away, but like targeted for like actual like violence. Um, a lot of people reached out to me and were like, I had no idea it was like that in DC. You know, like a lot of people didn't realize that Bowser told us to stay home. <laughs> Our mayor told us to stay home and to not go out, to not counter protest. And she told us that three times. And it's, you know, in my opinion, it's possible that like January 6th could have possibly not happened if uh, more people had left their houses in November, December. And um, I just think, you know, something is missing because I am, like, I've also lived most of my life here. And if I can see that failure and a lot of these journalists who are writing about this, they live here. And if, 
why can't they see it? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's like an outlet issue where they're not allowed to publish something like that, but um, there's, there's a lot that like goes on, um, I think, within the way that movements are organized. When people get pushed back, they get really upset. Um, I mean, look at these truckers now. They're literally like crying because people are giving them the finger. And I am someone that the truckers told to smile actually on the side of the road. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think like that component is missing. Like how, how these extremist actions affect people um, before it becomes violent crimes and like the, the situations in which they live um, and just how people, people interact. Another thing, like, sorry, I'm just like continuing to go on and on. But like another thing that I've noticed is that for me, you know, I spent COVID, uh, you know, flying around the country, like hanging out with some of the worst people, but, you know, we were hanging out, we were at bars, and um, that camaraderie and that that sense of companionship that a lot of people were missing in 2020 and 2021, you know, we weren't missing. I mean, I was deeply missing it because I hated everybody around me, but <laughs> everyone else was having, like, a great time, you know? Um, so I think, too, like, that's been underreported, um, a great deal, and I, I don't really know why, because to me it seems pretty obvious. You know, if you're going out every weekend and you're having a blast and COVID isn't real, of course, you know, you're going to want to, like, adopt whatever you believe to the people that are around you. You want to fit in. Yeah, that's something that you write so compellingly about is this idea of the camaraderie and the relationship building. Um, in, you know, in my day job, a lot of it is, is thinking and writing about conspiracy theories, how people get wrapped up in them, and a big part of it that we don't really talk about is the relationships that, you know, I, I know I have friends from high school who are deep into QAnon and a big thing about it is that like they are in their day-to-day -day lives, maybe they're not being supported, maybe they're not being told that, they smart, that they're smart, maybe they're, they don't feel very smart on a day-to-day -day basis and now someone is telling them, not only are you smart, you're seeing something that no one else sees. You're smarter than everyone around you and how seductive that is. And so, I, I don't know, I think that your work really helps us understand that so much of extremism and why people get wrapped up in it can really be about the relationships and the camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I, like, I was raised evangelical and like a lot of being raised evangelical is being told like, you know something nobody else knows and you have to tell everyone so they understand. And, you know, like, people don't believe the rapture is going to happen. But when it happens, you know, you'll be up there in heaven and everybody who ever laughs at you will be down here. And I see a lot of that, especially within the QAnon community. Um, there would be times people would talk to me within QAnon and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> am I eight years old again? Are we back in church? <laughs> is that what this is? Because it feels like it. So, yeah, yeah, I think... Um, that sense of, of we have figured something out that nobody else can. We've cracked the code. And, you know, we're having a great time while doing it is, is so important to understanding why is this happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's one of those things that's maybe difficult to acknowledge because it's a little bit complex. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier when we first started talking that some of the names of the far-right extremists that you were embedded with during this time in your life, uh, we wouldn't know their names. And I guess one of my questions is, are there ways that you see these fringe movements and fringe leaders finding their way into more traditional mainstream um, right-wing politics? They're writing legislation and they work at foreign embassies, so I think they're there. Damn. <laughs> like, 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 what can you really say to that? Let's take a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. 
May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. So, you know... When you were doing this work, when you were embedded with these people, did you ever have a time where someone said something to you and you almost slipped and you almost were like, what, like, what was it like to be embedded with these people? You know, you've got far right fringe people 
blowing up your phone, texting you for a date, stuff like that. Like, what was that like? And did you ever have a moment where you almost slipped? Somebody said something to you that was so out of pocket that you almost were like, I'm going to let this whole ruse fall by the wayside. Yeah, but it's like so stupid. <laughs> it's, um, I, I dealt with so much for so long. And I, 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 so I, my first undercover thing was in November of 2020. And then in August of 2021, I flew to Portland, Oregon to go on a date with a former member of Patriot Front, who, again, is helping write legislation. And um, he was like, there's going to be a, a fight. BLM and Antifa are going to fight the Proud Boys. And you, we'll have a picnic and we'll watch it. And I was like, um, is this like the Battle of Bull Run? <laughs> and he was like, that's the spirit. So I, I flew out and the, the, the whole thing was a buzz because the... Proud Boys um, ended up going into a Kmart parking lot and then tear gassing themselves. <laughs> so uh, we couldn't have our picnic. But we did spend eight and a half hours in his minivan talking. <laughs> and um, we were also like walking around Portland and we were walking by um, some tents and he started talking about homeless people and I was like, oh my God, this is like, it's just so humiliating and embarrassing and I just... People can hear you talk, and I wish that nobody could hear you talk. Um, and he was like, you know, the homeless, they could really be uh, good for us. Because when I was at January 6th, I noticed all of the homeless people had American flags on their tents. And I was just like, you fucking idiot, we put those there. I, like, I couldn't believe that this man actually thought people who don't have homes went out and bought $300 Trump flags and American flags and like put them up on their tents. And I, I, it took me like a minute to recover from it because it's just like, how, how do you, like, what, what about Trump's policies made you believe that like people who don't have homes are like, that's our guy. And he was like, yeah, they'll fight because they believe in the cause. I'm like, I don't think that's true. And my response was so aggressive. And I, because I'm like from here, you know, like I'm not like the docile, like trad wife, like nobody, nobody's falling for that trick. Um, and I was just like, no, that's so stupid. Literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, no, this is not, we, we put those tent, we put those flags there. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I live there. <laughs> like, yes, I'm sure. Um, and like that's the thing that broke me, but it's it's weird how you're able to like compartmentalize things for so long and then something so stupid. I mean, that's like like I want to be very clear. Like I like the same guy, the first night I met him, he asked me at a turning point USA event, which is supposed to be a mainstream conservative event, he asked me, What what would you, you know, do if you were ruler of America? And I didn't want to radicalize anybody. So I always erred on the side of like, kind of dumbing it down. Like, oh, I don't know, I'm just a stupid blonde idiot. Ah, that's so cool. Like, what would you do? And he goes, I'm thinking like a friendlier Nazi Germany. Oof. So that did not break me. What broke me was this like idea that you really thought these people had bought these Trump flags and like decorated their tents. Like, they're just so stupid. And so, um, you know, it's, it's weird, uh, the things that like, just dig into your brain when you're doing it because you're, you're able to like, or I, I mean, obviously not everybody, but like I was able to just push so much aside and then that just like, so, you know, that, that's really the only time. Another time a guy told me conservatives won't have phones anymore. They're going to take away our phones, T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon, it's coming. And I was like, do you want to tell me more? And he pointed at my phone. And so I, um, I recorded everything. I had like a 
a second iPhone, my old iPhone, and I had a uh, wireless mic I put in my bra, and the receiver was the iPhone. And you pointed it at my phone and said, your phone could be recording right now. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 but that's a little less, you know, <laughs> like, serious. <laughs> but I did almost pee myself. It was very, <laughs> very underrated. <laughs> Oh my God, you're like, oh, well, that one was a freebie. <laughs> oh, that'd be so crazy. My phone. Oh my God. Did, did you have moments like that? Like, like, I can only imagine this work was legitimately very scary at times. Yeah, I mean, it probably should have been more scary. <laughs> I feel like I should have been more worried. You know, I was docs. I was docs in 4chan, and um, I was, like, doing, like, QAnon stuff, and I was doing, um, like, fascist stuff. And so, like, you know, like, like literal Nazis, right? And uh, the QAnon people figured me out um, at, from 4chan. It went all around their Telegram. And I was like, okay, but like, I'm supposed to go to this event in Florida, and we're having a hotel room party with three Hungarian fascists and six American Nazis. I could probably still go. And my friends are like, no, you really, please don't go. <laughs> please don't go. And I'm like, but I think I can go. So, you know, I <laughs> did not have the uh, wherewithal, I don't think, to, uh, to judge, because I was going to go. I was going to do it. Um, so, you know, I think, yes, like a normal person would have been like, I'm flying to Portland. I'm going to go on this weird picnic date with this Nazi. I'm getting in his car now. We're driving 20 miles away. I should be worried. And I was like, well, this is great. What are we doing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> where does this, like, wh like, where does this come from? That attitude you just described of like not being afraid and probably maybe most people, I would be afraid. Most people will be afraid. But where do you think that comes from in you that you didn't have that fear. I mean, it's all I've ever known. You know, my dad, um, my dad's pastor, uh, he believes raises people from the dead. I went to a QAnon event at my dad's pastor's church. <laughs> um, so it just, you know, it's like comfortable. It's, it's, not, it's not scary or foreign or like a, a concept that nobody, you know, that I don't understand. To me, it, it just is. And that's why it was so easy for me, because I know the language and I know the culture. Um, you know, I, I broke my arm halfway through. It sucked. I had to, like, tell my surgeon. I was like, she's like, we get you in for surgery on Monday. And I was like, okay, so actually, um, are you familiar with the concept that uh, Hillary Clinton is a pedophile? <laughs> and eats children, and only Donald Trump can stop her. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, I have to go to a QAnon event, so we can't do surgery. So I delayed surgery for, like, two weeks to go to this QAnon event. People were praying in tongues on my arm. And, like, most people, I feel like, could not handle that. But to me, I'm just like, yeah, it's just literally, it's like being back in, in fifth grade. This is normal, right? Um, and so I think, I think my upbringing really helped make it not an issue for me. So I know when you were embedded... Um, with these far, these far right extremists, I was seeing reporting from I think Mother Jones based on your sourcing, and you know I, I really want to underscore that it is so difficult for traditional journalists to really get a firsthand account of what's happening in a lot of these spaces. And you know I think was it a Trump donor who was screaming white power? I saw a video. Was that that was your video? So I guess my question is, when you were doing this project, did you find that people were, or news outlets were excited to work with you, or was it, were they more kind of 
you know, like, oh, this, I don't know if we can publish this. Like, this is not what we want to publish. Like, what was the, what was the vibe like around uh, outlets reporting the things that you were sourcing from being embedded with these communities? I heard um, from a lot of editors. This is extremely cool. Um, also highly unethical. So come back when you're done. Wow. People did not want to work with me. Individual journalists were okay with it. Uh, I mean, Zach knew. Um, I watched Zach get kicked out of an event uh, with Gorka in Tyson's Corner. <laughs> um, so, you know, like I would message people who were at events that I was at. And, and you know, and obviously I grew up here, so I do have friends who are journalists. Um, but, you know, by and large, everybody was like, this is very neat, but we literally cannot pay you to write about it unless you're going to write about your, with your real name attached. And it's like, well, <laughs> guess what? Um, the whole time I was undercover, I um, went by Frank on Twitter with a picture of a turtle. So people assumed I was a man, which was wonderful. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, people didn't, they didn't want to mess with it. And and I tried to rationalize. I was like, oh, yeah, it's unethical because, like, you can't wear a mask. Like, the things I went to, you, if you wore a mask, you're a journalist, you're out. Um, but, you know, that's not really what it was. It just lying to a Nazi is unethical, which is wild to me. <laughs> More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. 
Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So if you've ever wondered, I wonder what Bridget is up to when she's not making the podcast, then I have great news for you. We just launched our brand new newsletter where I'm going to be writing about things I'm paying attention to online, interesting stories that didn't make it to the podcast, and a whole lot more. I promise we will never spam you. You can subscribe to our newsletter at tangoti.com slash newsletter. And it's going to be like a useful newsletter, I promise. You can also support the show by checking out our merch store at tangoti.com slash store. Let's get right back into it. So I read one of your pieces where you talked about how in the beginning you would just show up to these events and you didn't, I mean, like you were, you're a blonde woman, you know, you're not asking too many questions. A lot of people just assumed that you were one of them. And I, I think that's so interesting that I think that the way that you, that your work relies on being white and also your gender, that I think a lot of these people are just like, oh, this like white blonde woman is hanging around, certainly she's one of us, certainly she, like she can come to the next event with us, certainly we should, you know, introduce her to so-and-so and like move her along the ranks. And I think it's interesting how you basically just didn't challenge that. You let them run with whatever assumption that they were going to have and that's what got you so deep into the middle and into the mix with these extremists. Yeah, yeah. I, I, some of my friends um, who are not white would always comment, and I'm like, you know, you can do it too, but it's like a real commitment to the bit because it's going to be like, well, my granddaughter says I'm racist, but you're here, so let's take a picture. Right. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like a thing I never had to do. Um, you know, I was never intending to like have a personality undercover. I, I just went to CPAC and I was like, well, I'll just record some stuff, and you know, I was like, like whoever, like whatever lefty like podcast, they can't go. And I had sold stuff to other podcasts. So I was like, well, you know, I'll just record it. And, and then this guy came up to me and he was like, hey, um, did you want to help recruit Matt Gates to join our organization? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and it, just no questions asked. Just you're physically present and you look like you belong. So yeah, just come on, come on, be with us. It's wild. I mean, this is, you're almost inspiring me. This is like, if you, like, just show up and just assume people are not going to ask questions and it might work out. You know, it's almost kind of like a, like a, um, a confidence thing, I think. You know, when I, you think about scammers, like your Anna Delvies of the world and things like that, I think a big part of it is just sort of assuming that people are going to be like, oh, she looks like she belongs. It's fine. 
Yeah, I mean, that's literally, so like I said, I work in live events, um, and there is a, there is a place that hosts events in Columbia, Maryland, and I, uh, I realized about eight years ago I could go to any event I went there if I parked at employee parking and wore khakis, because I had done that <laughs> for years, you know what I mean? So just like, you just, yeah, I belong here, like, what's your question? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, you know when you go to an event and you look for the person with the clipboard because that seems like they're in charge, they've got a clipboard, you know, you can just like bring a clipboard anywhere, they'll let you in, um, yeah. pretty much. I guess one of the other questions I have for you is, do you, do you think that being a woman, like, do you think that you would be, have been able to do this in the same way had you been a man? Do you think that your identity really helped you? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, like... <laughs> When I got when I got docs, you could see like the tree of people, like of men, as they realized, and it was like one guy realized, but he wanted to sleep with me, so he like didn't tell the guy who also wanted to sleep with me, but like he told his other friend, you know what I mean? So like you could tell, I could tell over like the course of like six weeks of like who like blocked me and like you know when, you know, out of their like, out of their mind, like trying to like hide everything from me. Um, I think it gave me a very easy pass, and it made people trust me more. And I also didn't have to prove stuff the way I would have had to prove if I was a guy. You know, like, um, my personality was always the same. I was just, like, the racist, fascist version of myself, you know? Like, bizarro me. But I, I was like, it's too much to turn off my personality. So everyone I, like, kind of vibed with was, you know, from Chicago or Detroit or Boston. You know, they weren't, I wasn't, like, hanging out people from Alabama or Kentucky because it's just not who I am, like, you know, that wouldn't have, not gonna, again, not going to be a trad wife. Um, and they, like, it, it made them, you know, just kind of, kind of let things go a little bit more. And I would always pretend to not know what stuff was. And, like, if I was a guy, that might not have made as much sense. But I was a woman, and we are naturally stupider. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, like, much easier um, to do that. And I, I think, too, if I had been a man, there would have been maybe a little bit more vetting of me. I literally used my real name. Like, I used a fake last name, but not by much. And I told them, like, I was Amanda Lilly. My name is Amanda Moore. I'm from Annapolis, and I'm from Alexandria, and I used to live in Annapolis, and there's, like, public record of that, and nobody ever, they were like, oh, yeah, no, I think she's hot, she's great, everything's great, you know, but if I had been John from Annapolis, they might have looked into me a little bit more, you know what I mean, and they just let it all go, they didn't even care. Wow, I love, I love you using their own biases <laughs> against them, like, weaponizing their biases against them, love it. Um, so one of my last questions for you is, I know that when you went undercover in these movements, you, you know, were out of work. I, I also worked in live events before the pandemic, and so I was also out of work. And you were going through the same frustrating, fucked-up-ass process that I was going through, which is trying to get unemployment, trying to figure out any kind of, like, services or support for myself after I lost my job. And, you know, I, I read that you really, that that, that kind of radicalized you much farther left when you realize like, wow, the pandemic is hit and all of us are just kind of on our own and our government has kind of abandoned us. And so I guess my question is, and I, and I felt the exact same way. My question is, are there ways that you see a parallel with that 
in some of the people who were in these extremist movements, because I would have to imagine that those people feel the same way, that their government has abandoned them, that they don't have any real meaningful recourse in terms of civic engagement. And that is, but that, obviously that has pushed them in the opposite direction. But I'm wondering, do you see a parallel there between your experience of be, feeling abandoned in the pandemic and their experiences as well? You're the first person to ever ask me that. Oh. Yeah. Um, Usually people ask me, um, what advice do you have people going undercover? And I say, don't do it. <laughs> and a lot of it is that. Um, you know, if I was going to become a neo-fascist racist, like that ship would have already sailed by now, given the way that I was like raised, right? Um, and I, if you look at the guy who's like running the, the trucker convoy right now, Brian Brassi, um, he was... He's a trucker, but he was doing stuff for music tours, like ZZ Top, I think. So he was in the same boat as us. And a lot of what he attributes to what he's doing now is his son, um, his son passed away about six months ago and also losing work. And like, I get it, right? Like I lost my job because I'm mixed income, which means you're part W-2 and part 1099. I got $100 a week <laughs> for unemployment, which is, is DC is the lowest unemployment replacement rate in the country. So I really understand what Brian is going through. I did not decide to lead an insurrectionist group terrorizing residents of DC. You're welcome. Um, and he did. And something that I think also scares me is that a lot of the movement on the right right now, especially with people under 35, is uh, populism. And so I see exactly how someone could have been in my exact position and also be a white person who was raised in some type of Christianity and to be like, yeah, this is extremely appealing, you know? Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's like an under, underreported thing because people feel like, oh, if you got unemployment, on the right people say, oh, if you got unemployment, you made more, you know, than you would have made working. It's like, I did not, it's not true, I lost my home. <laughs> like, that's definitely not true. And on the left, people are like, well, you know, like, we helped you. And it's like, did you? <laughs> I don't feel very helped. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not a racist asshole. <laughs> and I, I don't think you need to be like that, like mindset, but you have to kind of, in a way, be open to it. And I can see how hearing stuff, from the populist, you know, definitely drags people that way. I want to be very clear, the upper echelon is not like this, other than Brian. I think he's actually like an anomaly within this. I think most of the people who are leading things are, um, you know, kind of set for life. And if they want to have 2.5 kids and a wife pick a house and a, a wife that stays at home, they can have that. Um, but I do think a lot of the, like, rank-and-file people are people who were in a position like me or you. And... You know, just different priorities, whether your priority is yourself or whether it's the greater good for people in general. That's really, it, it's, it's helpful. It sounds very scary, but also kind of hopeful in a kind of way. Like, I, I, guess, I guess it kind of gives me hope that people can be reached. Some people can be, I don't know, is, is that how you feel? I think that if I truly believe with all of my heart that 48% of this country were like, neo-fascist racist, I wouldn't even bother having this conversation. I'd already be in London, like, bye. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people 
it's something it's really hard to wrestle with, right? Because you have to be like, I see why you went a little racist, and I see why you went a little anti-Semitic, but like we're willing to still like work with you. Like you should not work with a fascist or like a literal Nazi, but like the general population. And it's like it sucks. It sucks when you can't. Like I couldn't. I couldn't buy food. Like my clients were like from Australia. Were like sending me money because they're like, I cannot believe how America is like doing you guys, right? Like, um. It, it sucks. It sucked to lose my home. It sucked to sleep on couches and to, like, stay with my mom, you know? Like, I'm 33 years old. It was awful. And I can see how, you know, if whatever. Like, I see how you get there. And if we're willing to, like, talk to those people and be like, actually, the people who are obstructing unemployment. <laughs> you know, my dad, like, tried to tell me something about um, how great the Republicans were. And I was like, actually, Dad, Bernie Sanders is why I'm not, like, literally have not killed myself <laughs> you know like he's why I'm getting this extra $600 a week like what are you talking about you know and if people if we can like reach people and make them realize that you know I think there is hope to like pull people you know to the to the left I think a lot of people just operate within their own self-interest and and I think you know we look at them and we say oh you're you're voting against your self-interest but in their minds they're not and if we can show them reality um, and if you, I just always feel like if you don't believe that, like, what's the point? Because it's half the country. Why bother? Yeah, I think that you put that so, so nicely. Um, you mentioned London earlier. Uh, I have two final questions. Where can folks follow you? And what's next for you? Do you have any, any updates or news that you can share? Maybe question mark. So you can follow me on um, Twitter is where I'm most annoying. <laughs> so Twitter. Um, That's not true. You're one of my favorite Twitter follows. <laughs> thank you. Um, so Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at NoTurtleSoup17. Um, and then next for me is that I am hoping someone lets me write a book. And if they do that, I'm going to London to write it because I can't write it here. I'll just drink too much and hang out with my friends too much. I'll never get done. So I got to go far away. I know like eight people in London. That's way fewer people than I know here. I think it's a good, a good bet. Beautiful. Amanda Moore. Well, thank you so much for bringing so much of yourself to this conversation. Uh, if you want to tune into more conversations like this, check out my podcast. There are no girls on the internet on iHeartRadio. New episodes drop every Tuesday. I am Bridget Todd. This has been amazing. Thank you for hanging with me for our first podcast taping. We did it. Yeah, that's right. We did it together. There we go. <laughs> Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unboss Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. 
during High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 